it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Hello and welcome back to the LET Golf Podcast with me, George Cooper, Nicola Kenton. And this week's special guest is the weaker Jabra. It's the former winner. It's Annabelle Dimmock. Annabelle, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's nice and bright and early. You've got me up on a Thursday to record this, but apart from that, <laughs> I'm great. No, we're very grateful. Thanks for joining us today. I mean, we've had this big break. What have you been up to? Um, I've just been at home, like working hard on my swing and my coach. The start of my season wasn't as good as I kind of hoped. Um, so I've just been working on a few things at home, working on my short game, playing in some roses, seeing my friends, family, my dog. Apart from that, nothing else. And I mean, how would you say the the start of the season has gone so far? Very slow for me. I don't know if I, I, don't, I haven't missed a cut, but it's just you know average weeks which are quite boring really when you've worked hard and then you walk away with an average week it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bummer but do you know what there's been some positive signs at the start of the year and it was good for me because it got to see actually where I was at and then in this seven weeks has given me chance to sort of work on it so fingers crossed when we come back out for the the take two the 2.0 of the season yeah absolutely and you mentioned there sort of giving you a chance to know what you need to work on so what have you yeah. been working on at the minute with my coach I've been going down there and my swing is very I'll play a couple of weeks and I'll be swinging it great but it goes off it goes wrong and I need to and then I come back and have to sort of rejig a few things and rebuild it a little bit so instead what we've tried to do is make my swing a lot more simple in the past I've hit it hard swung it really fast and it's basically when I've tried to hit it really hard in the past it's kind of made my body not move properly through the ball my hands get forward where I've shoved them forward so fast and then it pushes my body back um, so I can get stuck a lot of the time when I swing it too quick so basically we've worked on being slightly wider throughout the whole swing and just feeling like it's a circle swinging around me instead of me trying to kill the ball I'm long enough that I just need to try and find a way of getting the ball in play Um, so that's basically we've tried to simplify my swing down in the last seven weeks just so when I go back out on tour if I've got long runs I don't lose my form because um, when you're swinging it at 100%, it's very easy to sort of lose your form or, or bad habits come in. And on the LET Golf podcast, we always like to go back to the beginning of how people got yeah. into golf. So I know, believe you started at the age of eight when your dad yeah. took you yeah. to the driving range. So what did Chris do? How did he get you down to the driving range? I don't think it would have been that hard at eight. If my dad said, right, come on, we're getting in the car, we're going somewhere. I would have been like, yep, bye. But... Um, my sister, actually, I don't know how to explain it. I don't really know how it works in schools now, but someone basically went into the school and did like a bit of a golf. I don't know what they do, really. I don't really pay much attention in school, but someone came in and basically showed them golf. I think they were from a golf club. I think it was Jerry's Cross Golf Club, maybe someone was from. Anyway, my sister's a bit older than me, and they had this like group lesson, like this carry on lesson. And my dad took my sister. I was young at the time and my dad took me along as well and was obviously I got dragged along to everything and was like right go on she'll have a go as well like push her in do you know what I mean off she goes and anyway I got told I was too young (laughs) I don't really remember the story but the story gets told to me a lot but I started crying classic (laughs) Hannah I put on the waterworks so I started crying and then anyway they let me hit some do you know what I mean basically to stop me crying because I was upset that I wasn't allowed to hit any golf balls and then after about 10 minutes they realized that I was like pretty sick basically and they were like she can come back so so I just started doing that these lessons with my sister with like all the older girls and then and then me and my my dad would take me and my sister it's quite sad really because my sister was pretty good as well my dad would take us to the golf course or whatever and he said in the end it was too stressful trying to get me and Ellie doing what we need to be doing and trying to play golf himself so bless him yeah. in the end he, he retired himself from golf quite early but I think he knew do you know what I mean he knew Carl they're going to be beating me soon so I better get out of here fast sort of thing <laughs> I suppose that's one of the dangers of having two daughters <laughs> who, who yeah, seem exactly. to be quite sporty <laughs> yeah exactly when I'm 10 years old hitting past him that must be quite demoralizing no I'm only joking but no he's <laughs> honestly my dad's the best dad and and if it would be more beneficial for me and my sister and him just to carry our bags like he would have done that because he's the top dad yeah we see him out on on tour quite yeah a bit. Chrissy boy and um what are some of your early memories of playing then after that was it like a kind of social thing that obviously you and your sister did but as you said you were you're both pretty good from a young age um 
Yeah, so we were at a golf course called Gerrard's Cross and we were called Signets there. And we would, the ladies at the golf club, the lady members would take me and my sister out. We'd have to go out with a lady member um, because my dad was never a member of the golf course. He he wasn't allowed to take us out, which was interesting. Now I look back at that and I think, what? But there was a couple of juniors there. But in the end, there was more juniors at a golf course called Beaconsfield. That was down the road. So my dad got us in there. And from there, it was great because I was playing with a lot of other girl golfers which I hadn't really seen loads of you know at that point it was very very male dominant it was only really for my sister was the only other girl that I really knew in golf and then at Beaconsfield there was a couple more it was where Gemma Driver was Rachel Drummond was there there was a few other decent players so from there carried on was playing the junior competitions and was a couple more girls and then I got offered a scholarship at Wentworth which obviously like you can't like bite someone's hand off for really at that point and there was loads of juniors there so that who was at Wentworth was Incy so me and Incy in the summer holidays would play golf all day every day against each other if one of us dropped our handicap the other person would be going out the competition the next day or the next weekend like really with a bee in their bonnet do you know what I mean oh Incy's dropped her handicap last week she's lower than me now do you know what I mean I would be going out to try and but that that was that was really really good for my golf me and Incy were really close at the time as well we got on great and golf was really fun. Like going down the golf club was, you know, that was exciting for me at that point. And it still is now, just for different reasons, just because, you know, I want to get what I've done with my coach or this and that, or I want to go and shoot a really good score or this and that. But yeah, golf's always been pretty exciting to me. That was really the story. I kind of wa- I waffled massively there, sorry. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. We're learning more about you. And you mentioned there like some of the early competitions. What what are some of your first memories of being in a golf competition? Do you know what? My sister remembers loads when we were younger, but I don't know why. I just must have been bumbling through life. I don't really remember too much that young. What I do remember is turning up by these Echo golf shoes that <laughs> they were they were so heavy for me because obviously I think my feet were a little bit too small for them. Maybe I, they were probably hand-me-downs from my sister or she didn't like them, so I'll give them to Annabelle. She'll wear them, do you know what I mean? So I remember rocking up in these Echo golf shoes. They were like little lime green bit on the side. I think I was so nervous. I remember being so, so nervous. But then I had my sister there and I think I was playing with my sister and I played quite well. But that might not be like my first, but I do remember my first competition, especially at Beaconsfield. I don't really remember too many at Jarrah's Cross because I was a little bit too young there. But I remember them at at Beaconsfield standing on the putting green while you're watching everyone go out thinking, wow, they hit it so hard. Because obviously everyone was a lot, lot older than me. I would have been the youngest there by a mile. But I remember watching, I think I remember watching Rachel Drummond hit it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Because when you're young and you're seeing how hard they're hitting and how far, it's very, very daunting. Do you know what I'm saying? When you're <laughs> yeah. about to tee off after them. Oh, but we got there in the end, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> and where, where was the point where you kind of thought, oh, I can do golf as a career? What age were you when you like um, think about that? Do you know what? I want to be a professional footballer. I want to be a professional footballer until I was probably about 14, I'd say. But I was really good at football. I was much better at football when I stopped, but I enjoyed golf a lot more. So I, I actually quit football and then carried on playing golf. But what age would have that been? Probably about 14. But I struggled. I was really, And as soon as I made that decision, it was probably earlier than that, to be honest with you. But as soon as I made that decision, it was like I couldn't concentrate on anything other than golf. Yeah. So even when I was at school, it was starting to be a bit of a waste of time because I was looking out the window. Do you know what I mean? Looking at the school playground or the grass on the field thinking, cool, wouldn't that be nice to hit some balls off? For me, golf was like the best thing ever. It's something that I could work really hard on and get my teeth into and actually get better. And I understand it. You just got to get the ball in the hole and the loose shots. Do you know what I mean? At school, it's all this like, oh, what is it? All this pie and stuff like that. And I'm not the pie you eat, but yeah. that, the, all that pie <laughs> stuff. What is that? I mean, come on. What is that? Who, honestly, who has used that? <laughs> Yeah, do that for sure and you mentioned uh before some of your early influences when you were younger um like your former coach Lawrence Farmer and obviously Nick Faldo yeah. you had you met him when you were younger what what was that like and how much did they inspire you like in your early stages of your yeah book? that was amazing I was out at the Greenbrier in um the Faldo final series that was unbelievable experience. When I look back at it now, that that's mad. Going and playing one of the best courses in the world with the best players. Like stuff like that, doing the Faldo series, 
I remember doing the US Kids Golf, like them early big tournaments, especially where you're going away. That is as close as to a professional tournament you're going to get them sort of tournaments where you're traveling to go there. You know, you're playing with people from different countries, things like that. But I remember Nick Faldo came over to me on the range and gave me a lesson. And I was like, it was asking me to do something like in my swing. But I was so I was so taken back by him being there. I, I couldn't I couldn't even understand what he was trying to get me to do. Do you know what I mean? It was like a wow, that's amazing. Do you know what I mean? He's taken the time out to come over and speak to me and try and help me. But since then I'm very close with Sam Torrance and Bernard Gallagher. So like people like that are still absolute legends of the game, you know. I'm lucky enough to be surrounded by quite a lot of them. And the thing is about them is you have to try and speak to them get as much information out of them not that they always have every answer because obviously everyone's brain works a bit different but people like that you've got to try and sponge as much information because they're the ones that have been there done it yeah absolutely and is there any advice that any of those figures have given you that, that stuck with you and you're like yeah that's good oh, advice God, that'd be telling though, wouldn't it? <laughs> that's what we're here for yeah no i know it's what it's all about but do you know what's really funny is i went through a stage of really struggling with my my parts and it's really funny is Sam's wife, Suzanne, she's like a second mother to me, but I'm really close with her. And obviously she's been in and around golf her whole life also, being married to Sam, obviously, and having Bob as your father-in-law. And she always said to me that she heard Sam's mum always say to Sam, you're better off hitting a good part and missing it than holding a part with a bad stroke. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I did that completely wrong, right? <laughs> rewind, 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 it's been a while. She said, you're better off missing the part with a good stroke than missing the part with a bad stroke. Do you get what I'm saying? But for me at that time, that was something so simple that I'm like, well, yeah, if I hit a good part and miss it, I can live with that. If I miss the part with a bad stroke, well, that's just a complete like waste of time. Do you know what I'm saying? So when, and then when you're standing there just trying to put a good stroke on it, you'll be surprised the amount of, the, amount of putts you'll hold. It's, it's very, it's quite calming just to, to be around people like Sam, Bernard. Um, I'm not as close with Nick, but I had an amazing, amazing opportunity to have a lesson with him. I've obviously spoken to Sam and Bernard and people like that a lot more over the years. And it's just the way of their thinking is simple and it's not, you know, not thinking you're a superhuman and you're going to make mistakes. And you, do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's a mindset more than, you know, what did they tell you? That's the one thing. Well, I guess that is it. It's their mindset. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But then obviously, but then moving from uh, junior to amateur, I mean, you had yeah. a pretty outstanding amateur career in the end. I mean, just talk to us about some of your highlights. I know 2014 in particular was huge. You played Curtis Carp and Junior Ryder Carp. Yeah, what a year that was. Year. Just t- talk us through that. Uh, do you know what it was? Like every tournament I stepped into, I st- I generally believed I was going to win. I know you step into tournaments now and you think you're going to win and this and that, you're hoping you're going to win. But I generally was stepping up thinking I'm going to win. And I did win most things. If I didn't win, I came close. But in that year, when I think about it, I played Junior Ryder Cup, Olympics. You know, I won the Sun and Nail Forsons with with Steve Brown. It was a weird year for me because at the end of the year, there was nothing else I could have done. So that's when I turned pro, I turned pro quite young and, and maybe I was too young, I'm not sure, but I, I still think it was the right decision um, because I would have been going back and playing the same tournaments, trying to do, I couldn't really do much better, you know, so it kind of, I wanted to push on and, and, and keep learning, but that year was a pretty cool year, I remember that was a fun year. Yeah, definitely. My dad would drop me off to a tournament, do you know what I mean? I'd go and play, drive home, be playing good, life was good back then, no worries, had no mortgage. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no bills. I was living at mum and dad's. Mum and dad would, mum would cook for me every night. Those were the days. So I'm saying, if anyone is 17 years old now, I'll lap it up. Well, you won the Helen Holm Scottish Open Championship that year as well, which I guess yeah, was your, I did. Your big I think I came win. Second like... in the Welsh as well. Is that true? Do you know what I mean? So it's such a history sort of place. I remember coming down the last there. I think I was two shots in the lead coming down the last, and I, if you know the last hole at Troon, it's like. The clubhouse is literally on the back of the putting green. I mean, on the back of like the 18th hole green. And you've got these bunkers that look like they're black holes. You know what I mean? Like they're so deep. They're not really that deep. But if you do go in them, you drop the shot. So I was thinking to myself, I hit this like, I think at the time I had like a three iron, which I definitely don't have in the bag now. Far too far. Hard to hit. But 
I remember I got this three iron out because I knew I couldn't reach the bunkers, but then I, which I didn't do, but I got up there and I still had like 190 yards to the pin and it was pummeling the wind off the right. And it's like now the green from back here is literally looking like a fingernail. And I've just hit this iron shot that was just a joke. One of the best iron shots I've still ever hit to like eight foot. The pin was right at the back. Obviously to get it all the way back there whilst the out of bounds being that close, like, I still gives me shivers now but I remember hitting that shot and there was quite a lot of people watching and it was my first taste of what sort of you know you go and play in majors or you go and win tournaments what it feels like and it's like when I hear that shot like I couldn't believe how loud the claps were and the people screaming were like it was mad to me and I walked up the whole way my dad says the same thing now walked up the whole way with goosebumps down his arms and then I two putted and won and then I think I got in the car and then the way home, my dad gave me a lecture for 20 minutes about where we need to improve. You know, well done, Annabelle, but where we need to improve is this, is this. And I remember sitting in that car being beaten up by the wind. Do you know what I mean? Playing around that you're leading, the like, Troon as well as a mentally taxing course. The blink of an eye, you can get a double. Do you know what I mean? So I remember <laughs> getting in the car and I remember texting my mum like, this is a joke. Mum, like, I just won and he's still telling me what I need to improve, this and that. But that's why my dad is he's ruthless you know he never gave me a hard time about golf but it was always he never got he's still he's the same now he's the same now never gets too excited about anything like I can literally I I did when he caddied for me in Ireland last year I hold a shot from 140 yards and he went yeah good shot do I mean (laughs) like that's my dad he's he's very very but that's why he's so good for me because he's very level whereas I can be you know one minute absolutely static and then the next minute like, oh gosh what am I doing like my golf is rubbish you know so it's very good to have someone so close to me and like oh I'm doing it again sorry I'm really really off subject but yeah my dad's just a G is basically what I'm trying to explain <laughs> helps keep you grounded for sure yeah exactly and I know you've said a lot in the past I've heard you speak about how much you love playing for England representing the England yeah, national squads yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what are your what are your fond memories from there I know you made a lot of friends for life there as well but... yeah yeah, well, well Gabs is like? still my best yeah, friend. Yeah, exactly. Gabs is still my best friend now. And it's oh, honestly, we could go on for hours. You should have got her on it to tell some stories. But we, in the end, we actually weren't allowed to stay together. In really? Rooms because, yeah, we just caused too much carnage. But we were having so much fun, <laughs> honestly. But I, me and Gabs still talk about it. Now. Oh, I've got a funny one to tell you. Right. In the England squad, yeah, we every now and again, we'd have to do like a urine test to make sure that we were hydrated, basically to keep us on top of drinking enough water, which is obviously very important now. To be fair, Gab still don't drink enough water even to this day. But she's got better now. She starts using them hydration tablets when we go to hot countries. But anyway, right. So if you're basically if you were too dehydrated, you'd be in trouble because they're telling us to drink water constantly. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so me and Gab found a hack that if we, we used to set an alarm, uh, like say we wake up at eight, you'd have to do it straight away. We'd set an alarm at like three in the morning. We'd both be sat there at three in the morning down in a massive bottle of water. So then when we wake up, our wee's nice and see through. But we didn't think about the fact that well, you could actually just do that when you woke up. But basically why we had to do it then is because by the time you wake up, then it's in your system. And but oh, my gosh. And then we'd be getting up every hour until our alarm doing a wee. Do you know what I mean? So we like, just drunk a gallon of water. But yeah, there was things like that that happened a lot. Access the system with yeah. Gabs and yeah, Annabelle. I'd have, to, I'd have to get her OK. That's, that one's OK to tell. Do you know what I mean? That's just a little taste about some of the other stories. You'd have to get Gabs permission on that, I think. I don't want to start baiting us out, do you know what I mean? She's not on the phone call. <laughs> How did that England environment help you and help your golf? A lot, because you'd constantly be having chipping competitions with the next person next to you. If they could hit a shot sort of on the range of fade or draw this, because we used to do all that sort of stuff in the England squad. It pushes you on constantly being around. Well, you should surround yourself with the best players you can. That's just facts. That's, that's in any sport, in anything in life, really. So if you're practicing that environment where people are just as good as good as you, instead of you being the best player all the time, it pushes you on and works you works you harder. You know, I come away from them camps really trying to work harder to make sure I go back to that next camp and I am the best player there because that's how I I would think about it. I'm sure a lot of the girls on there would as well, but I always wanted to be the one showing off on the range in front of them. And when you're surrounded by the best girls in England, like that's that's hard to do. So that was great. But it's just more that the camaraderie between the girls, you know, I do miss that as being in a team and supporting other girls and 
But to be fair, I still have that with Gabs on tour. But being in a team and having the England coaches around you and it was really good fun. I wish now I look back on it and if any girls that are playing in England now are listening to this, enjoy that. I used to get so nervous and uptight and when we play in tournaments, oh, am I going to get picked for the next one? Just enjoy that time because when you go on tour, it's not as fun as that. It is, but, you know, you're not in a team. It's very individual. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned previously, obviously, your decision to turn pro quite young. The fact that you'd kind of played all those amateur tournaments, you'd won a lot of them or been up there, and then you were like, right, well, I have to turn pro because I don't want to do the same circuit again. Yeah, so in that year of 2014, had you always decided to turn pro kind of at the end of the year or...? Did it as you were I winning those competitions? I think my coach was saying to me that I'm yeah. ready and I was I was playing well enough. I was playing well enough and I played in the European Tour event actually, the ISBS at Bucks, at the Buckinghamshire, yeah. in that same year as an amateur. I didn't even play that well when I came 15. You know, and that was a big event at the time. That was a flagship event. I knew I was good enough, but I don't know if I was mentally ready enough. But how do you get mentally ready enough apart from just throwing yourself in there and doing it? And you're young to be travelling the world on your own. Unfortunately, you know, my parents had to work. I come from a working class background. So so my parents couldn't afford to just, you know, hop on a flight with me. That's their expenses as well. And take time off of work. And still to this day, do you know what I mean? I travel around on my own. I always have since I was 18. But I'd rather it that way now because I'm very comfortable doing it. I know what I'm doing. Um, When I bring my dad, instead of him looking after me, I have to look after him. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's... It's more of a stress uh, sometimes, but cheap caddy fees, you see. So take that on the chin. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, even if you have to put up with, I remember in Ireland last year where the weather wasn't great and there was, there was no, some falling, no, my dad o- falling over, over on the golf course. Yeah, yeah my dad and, always slips over. Any Honestly, one drip of rain, that's it, he's gone. He's, like, he's just on the floor falling over. And especially, like he'll always time it well for me getting a brand new bag. Do you know what I mean? He'll, oh, this is a good week to have a slip over, you know? Yeah, what it feels like anyway. Nice bag of white on it. No, nope, yeah, exactly. Rock. And it's that dad's literally slid down a hole. In in Ireland, he he fell over so bad that he managed to push all the mud into my shoe. Like he fell into my leg, like down a hill. So he like got picked up all this mud on the way down from the hill and managed to mush it up in between my sock and my foot. And may I add, this is on the fourth hole. Yeah, I remember talking to you afterwards and you just wanted to take your shoes off immediately yeah honestly honestly it was it was a nightmare but it was still a good week you spoke there about obviously um transitioning to kind of playing on tour adjusting to life traveling the world obviously you played on the let access series eight events in 2015 2014 as well and obviously going on the let what was it like playing on the access series kind of getting a taste of going around europe it was perfect because it got me in the mode you know the access events everything is very it's exactly the same as european tour event apart from you know the the standard slightly better but everything's exactly the same it's the perfect stepping stone if if anyone came to me now and said i want to turn pro but say q school's not for a while i would literally say to them go and play and as many professional tournaments access wherever you can as possible because it's the best practice that you can get for being on tour for sure and what were your early years on tour you managed to have lots of top 10 finishes do you think you adjusted well to life on tour yes and no I struggled a bit mentally when I when I turned over maybe not the first few years because I was still away with the fairies but I think when obviously I was expected to do very well when I turned pro straight away and I've had a very slow couple of years um but I was struggling with my mental health a lot and I don't really know what triggered that but I think loneliness doesn't help if you're if you're prone to struggling with mental health or overthinking or you know all that sort of stuff once you put add a bit of loneliness to that you know that it just magnifies everything and once and mental health is a very strange thing once you start slipping down you can get worse and worse if you don't actually own up to it and address it the first part of getting better with your mental health is actually even to yourself some because like a lot of people will kid their own self thinking oh this is normal this is normal but it's not so I mean I'm happy I'm happy now it's not normal to feel sad and upset all the time and once you but you have to you have to actually 
come to terms with it yourself before you can get yourself better. There's no point in other people trying to get you better. It comes from you. But what I'm saying is, is when I first turned pro, I struggled a little bit the first two years. I didn't do badly at all. I had a couple of good finishes, considering I was my rookie year. Still a decent year, but I think my expectations were so high that I thought I was just going to come out and win like I did as an amateur. I think that's what knocked it, knocked my confidence. And then I don't know, from there, it was just a bit of a spiralling effect. I don't know. Well, I actually forgot what the question was. You got me all thinking, do you know what I mean? All deeply and stuff like that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I actually okay. forgot where I was going with this and just start <laughs> rambling on. But that's what the podcast is here for, for you to talk. But yeah, like in those sure. first few years, where when did you, as you said, you mentioned catching yourself and kind of realising that you were maybe getting into this? Well, I think this... I've been struggling with my mental health for many years now, but I never really understood why I was feeling like this. I, I thought, oh, maybe I'm just, you know... I am happy I just I don't know what happiness is or whatever and then it gets worse and worse and you think hang on this isn't right why am I feeling sick why do I want to cry all the time why do I not want to speak to anyone do you know what I mean why do I just want to not bury my head in my bed like stuff like that that's not normal but you can kid yourself for a while and make excuses for yourself oh I'm tired oh this oh that you can you can do that and what I'm saying is I think a lot of people do do that um, but why it happened, I, I don't know. It's a scary, it's a daunting thing, travelling the world if you don't have a good week. Basically, living quite a stressful adult life straight away. Yeah. Do you know I mean, I've come out of living at mum and dad's, travelling with the England squad, always having coaches there, us driving us about. Then all of a sudden, I'm come out of an airport and I'm standing there. No one's there to pick me up. I don't even have a clue because my dad's written it down on a bit of paper where I'm going to play golf. I've got to have a practice round that day. I've got to find a caddy. I've got to sort a planner. I've got to get all my suitcases, everything into a spot where they're not going to get taken or worried about my passport and then get them back to the hotel the next day. Do you get what I'm saying? Then you add bad yeah. weather on top of that. You add, you know, pressure from your sponsors all messaging you, oh, good luck this week. And you're thinking, oh, I don't want to let them down you got your coach and then you stand on the range and you're not hitting it great and you think, oh my gosh, all this time I'm doing all this. It's very, it's a lot, a lot, a lot can go on when you think about it and you overthink and, and you can do that sort of stuff. It's a bit of a minefield, especially playing golf. There's a lot that, that can go wrong. There's a lot that can go right, but it's a lot to think about. For sure. And as you say, you kind of, uh, other people sometimes obviously go to college before turning pro or do other things, whereas, yeah, you threw yourself right yeah, into completely it. completely into it. Yeah, completely into it. <laughs> and basically yeah. started... I have no other options. <laughs> started full adulting. Yeah, exactly. At, at the age of it was very adult. Very adult. More than I am now, you could possibly say. Uh, and then as you just kind of adjusted and were playing more on tour... Um, yeah, you get how'd... into it. Yeah, how did you kind of see yourself improving you, in how you do things you get used to it and you understand that you know if I understand then there's no one there well that's all right you just call attack do you know what I mean you just it becomes more second nature doing it and being out of your comfort zone is the more you're out of your comfort zone the more you're comfortable being out of your comfort zone and in golf you're out of your comfort zone a lot even just playing golf you know some shots you have to do you, oh god this is this looks a bit scary but you just have to get on and crack on and do it I've got Gabs on tour. In my first year on tour, Gabs hadn't turned pro yet or hadn't got a tour card. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't have her in my first year. I didn't have many friends on tour. Obviously, I'd just become a rookie. So no one, everyone thinks you're like a little baby. You know, no one really wants to befriend you before they might think you're a freak or whatever. But then you get friends and, you know, I speak to them. I say, oh, what are you doing? We talk about our travel plans so I can get an idea of what they're doing, make sure I'm not always on my own. If I'm going long haul, like, say, to the States, me and Gabs are on the same flight. Actually, we're not. But we will try We will try to do that sort of stuff. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, when we go to Thailand and things like that, 100% we're on the same flight because we're not doing all that and not together. <laughs> and is there anyone, that, like, you mentioned there's some players that helped you out when you first started. Was there anyone in particular that sort of took you under their wing? Not really, but... Eh. Everyone's busy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. got their own issues going on. There's people that are out there. You think the most together people, they've got so much going on behind the scenes that you could never believe. There's a few of the English girls. Now, do you know what? Do you know who I still, she hasn't been on tour for a while, but she took a bit of time off, is Kelsey McDonald. She was, I knew her from when I played amateur stuff. Like I went out and travelled to the States with Sterling Uni. She was like an older sister from from them trips you know I did that trip with them a couple of times and 
when I actually won, it was 2014, I won a tournament out. It was called the Doherty. I think it was called the Doherty. Anyway, Kelsey Caddy for me on the last day. She was out there with the, like, helping out the actual golf team, the Sterling golf team. She caddied for me on the last day because she obviously knew that I was young at the time and this and that. And I won. And I was really close. She was like an older sister to me. So when I went on tour and she was there, you know, that was really nice for me. Yeah, very nice. I'd say probably Kelsey McDonald. Good, good answer. And now we've got to talk about Jabra, Annabelle, and your your big win in 2019 is the next event, of course. Mm. So, yeah, talk to us about that. First of all, going into the week, did you feel you could win? Did you feel your game was good? Like, what was the feeling like before you you got the win? Um, I think I missed the cut the week before. Right. I missed the cut the week before, and I remember saying to my dad, I want to fly home, I want to fly home. And he's like, oh. I mean, expensive changing places and that. I did it and I came home and I still use it now to this day. Well, I came home, I went and saw my coat and flew straight back out to the next tournament. And I was just feeling, I don't know what, I had no expectations. I didn't think I was going to win. Do you know what I mean? I missed the cut the week before. But for some reason that week, I was very calm. I don't know. Now and again, I get it. I don't know. I wish I know how to get it because I would do it all the time because it's a lot nicer. But I had like a calmness. I was obviously swinging well. I was knowing what I was doing with my swing wise. And it was just one of them weeks where things clicked. I didn't have, I didn't really hit many bad shots. I putted decent. You've got to putt decent to win a golf tournament. I mean, you've got to hold them birdie parts and things like that. But I don't really have much to report. I was playing better than the next. So obviously I lost in the playoff the next time I played it didn't I I was playing a lot better that week I thought to myself because obviously I'd won it before I thought to myself I can win this this week do I mean I've already won it I'm hitting it good I know this course obviously that course has a lot of subtle slopes and you've got to really be imaginative around it and I feel like I play golf sort of that way you can use the slopes to your to your it's like the west course at Wentworth that I play on you can do that there's certain pins where you can see a slope and I, I can I can spin a ball sideways do you get what I'm saying? So if you can hit a shot into somewhere and spin it sideways, you can hit a middle of the green and still knock it to like five foot if you spin it right. And you mentioned, though, that you were there was a calmness to you that week. Was that yeah. something that continued on into the final round? I know you were one shot behind and you came back and you had you had Pauline there with the home crowds, which which must have been tough. Um, but oh was that, God, yeah, every, was that time, something... every time she did something good, it was loud. Every time yeah. I did something good, you could hear a penny drop. But... <laughs> Yeah, there was a calmness. I, d- I don't know how to explain it all the time. I just, do you know what's the weirdest thing about it? It's people ask me what I was thinking and I can't, the whole thing was a blur. That's how I know I was in that calmness because I can't really remember many shots that I hit apart from that hybrid that I hit into the last where I thought it had gone in the water the whole way walking up there. I got in, up there and it was only in the greenside bunkers. That was fine. And I only needed to get it on the green and two part. And I'm, do you know what I mean, I'm confident out of bunkers. So I was sweet, but I can't really remember what I was thinking. I was almost, you know what it is, when you're in this calmness, you're almost in a bit of a daze. And that that's the only way I can explain it. Sorry, that's not really giving you much there, but probably were hoping for some big answer that everyone's, wow, <laughs> yeah, let's do that. But I was in a bit of a daze, but it's a thing that you can't try to get in. It just happens. But then when you did get the win, what was that feeling like? It must have been, must have been pretty oh, crazy. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable, honestly. I can't, I can't explain to you how that feels. It was just it was just a weirdest feeling as well. I went back because I had to stay then for a pro-am the next day because I'd won. And all everyone, I had flights booked, but obviously I had to change my flight and get a new one. But I remember everyone buying me drinks in the clubhouse and then everyone started to leave to get their flights, obviously. And Gabs was saying to me, do you want me to stay with you? And I was thinking, no, you, you get home. Do you know what I mean, I don't want her having to pay for another flight or me having to pay for another flight. I thought, no, screw that. I'll see you next week. Do you know what I mean? But I remember then I had to go back and stay in a hotel room on my own to play the next day. And it was the weirdest feeling after everyone around you, you know, so much noise, oh, well done, rah, rah, rah. Then just sitting on a bed and my phone was blowing up. And I just put my phone down because I was just like so mentally exhausted. I couldn't reply to another message. And just sitting on the bed and it just being dead quiet. And I was just like, this is really weird. Like really weird you've gone from like this big high and then you're sitting there and I was literally like, is that it? But it wasn't it. But they, it's quite a common thing. It's like, I think you get a bit depressed. It's such an adrenaline high and then you get a bit depressed from it. But then when I got home, I had a big night out and oh, that was unbelievable memories. Great. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to ask. What did you do when you eventually did get back to England? But you Oh just, God, uh... I don't think we can digress too much into that. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we'll move on then. Yeah, it was pretty busy. But what? But one thing the win, uh, the win did give you as well was obviously your exemption into the Evian that year, which especially at your age at the time, you know, having having got the win, that must have been pretty special. So just talk us through being able to play playing that. Oh God, I've never been to a. It was so beautiful. I can't explain to you how beautiful that course is. And then you put a major championship on it. It was like goosebumps feeling. It was just beautiful, beautiful. Wow, like the, the crowds were massive. Um, the course was unbelievable. I was so nervous. I was so nervous playing in the Evian. I don't know why I was so nervous, but I remember I was playing really great and then we got a rain delay and then we had to wait and go back out after a couple of hours and I was freezing and I played the last five, to play like five more holes like that. And I missed the cut. I remember that I was gutted, gutted. The most gutted I'd ever been because I was playing great. And I went out again and got a couple of bogeys on my last couple of holes and missed the cut. And it was just like, wow, that was depressing. I was really, really gutted about that because I didn't know when I would get a chance to play in the Evian. Do you know what I mean? The British Open slightly easier to qualify for. But the Evian's not, not quite as easy to qualify as like the British Open. And, and, it, and I'd won there. Do you get what I'm saying? And it was like, I know I can play well here. If it, but it was just, it was frustrating. That was... But the tournament on a whole, everything is done absolutely perfectly. The Evian is a, is a beautiful, beautiful place. You know, you see the owner come in on his helicopter. You know, it's, it's a pretty mad place. And even even the area around it was like all set up in, in the like in the town. It was all set up for the golfers. You know, it was literally like one big golf bubble that week. It was unbelievable. To be fair, you get it when you go to Scotland. The towns are very golfy. Do you know what I mean, everyone walking down the road will know probably who you are from the golf because they're all big golf fans but it was like that at the Evian as well and with the sun shining and a gorgeous lake it was a very special week as I say how much did you kind of learn from that week with it being your your first time playing there in the major championship yeah it was it wasn't really playing that different to be honest with you it was very similar to the tournament maybe a tee or two was slightly further back but Nothing that really affected play that much. Um, so that was what was frustrating because it was like my golf game was no different because it wasn't that long away. But it just shows you when you add nerves and pressure and expectation to yourself and what happens to your golf, you know. Sure, you're not the first person that that's happened to. No, exactly. To, yeah, it's very yeah, common. Many others that, yeah, very getting common. to your first major and massive learning curve. So we'll move on to a bit speaking about last season. Because last year you spoke openly about your mental health quite a lot, as we've as spoken about and alluded to from your early days. But also you had quite the half and half season on, yeah, on the LET last year. So you unfortunately missed parts throughout the yeah. start of the season yeah. until the end of August. That was kind of yeah. the first time you made a cut. How yeah. difficult is it to deal with that? when as you said at the time you were playing great at home but you just couldn't translate it necessarily onto tour what, do you know what if I'm going to be like? completely completely honest with you playing golf at home playing good golf at home is is easy because oh, I don't know how to explain this it's a very hard thing to explain I was I was in a very bad mental place at the start of last year it, like me and my mum still talk about that was my rock bottom and that was the point where I was like, do you know what? I don't want to be like this anymore. And I did something about that. And I never I never changed anything in my golf between me missing them cuts and me coming out and doing decent. I literally changed nothing about my golf. I moved back to my old coach because I was really struggling mentally. And it was just, I just needed someone that was almost going to give me a bit of a hug. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like someone I was comfortable with, a bit like a father figure, someone that I could walk into a lesson and cry to, someone that I could be completely open book, basically. And Lawrence, my coach, has seen me when I was younger, seen me struggle and fall off and I could come back to him. And I, I spoke to him about my mental health and, and things like that. And he could understand that something was wrong without me even saying it. But I went and I did a. I worked hard in sorting my mind out instead of my golf, and it just it just shows you like when you're playing in tournaments. Like I could be playing good at home, but when you're when you're not mentally right and you're adding all this pressure and being away from home and things like that, you're not going to play good golf. You're in red alert, and the only way to describe it is like when you're in this red zone in your brain, 
your body's in panic, is in fight or flight. And yeah. I was in that constantly because I was in that because I was struggling with my mental health. And then you add competition to that. There is no way, there is no way that you can calm yourself down enough to perform. But at home, you could almost get away with it because some days I would wake up and I wouldn't be too bad. I wouldn't be in this red alert because I was at home on my own nine o'clock in the morning going playing Wentworth where I know there is absolutely no danger if I hit a bad shot it's not too bad I wasn't in this red zone in my head it's very hard to explain and it's not called red zone there is a really my um, psychologist talks about it as a fancy name which I'm sure someone will be like it's not red zone it's blah, blah, blah. but for me to just, she describes it to me as this little red zone what was the question again yeah how did you kind of as you mentioned there, you have a psychologist and seeing people. How, how did you adjust throughout the season, making sure that your mental game kind of, you improved where you were at? You got out um, rock bottom, enabled to, and then obviously Well, I was, struggling, I was struggling with injury as well. So, yeah. and that was really not helping with my mental, not being able to do something that I love. So I worked really hard on rehabbing my wrist. Um, I worked really hard with my physio, Louise, at home, who actually is on tour a bit as well. Um, some of the players know but I worked really hard on rehabbing and you know what I did I I got a lot of negativity out of my life also what you got to add on top of this is I was going through a bit of a public breakup at the time which is not nice I wouldn't recommend to anyone Um, on top of being injured on top of you know missing cuts it gets to a point where like I was saying earlier you have to say right something isn't right here and what I did is I scrapped I basically started from started from the bottom like I moved home I was living at my mum and dad's still quite emotional to speak about it but I was living at my mum and dad's and you know I was getting home cooked meals for my mum talking a lot working out what does make me happy what doesn't make me happy getting basically people out of my life that don't make me feel safe working hard in the gym doing just basically doing things that I love spending time with my dog going on walks really simple things I find are the best for your head I didn't drink um because you gotta understand that alcohol is not good for your mental health so I, I quit everything stuff like that and literally just focused on getting myself fit mentally and physically and then slowly and slowly I was starting to come back to myself I mean my personality was starting to come back I was starting to find things funny again I was managing to sleep again um what else that's it really but it was just working out basically why I was feeling like this and what do I love I love golf okay let me put everything into this and do every single little thing that I can and I had to make some hard decisions I had to cut some friends off I had to you know break up with a boyfriend that wasn't good for my mental health and go through all of that and what I had to do was just bite the bullet and just deal with it all at one time and then when I come out the other side and I dealt with it I felt like wow like that helped my mental health it's it's a weird placebo effect getting over having bad mental health is very good for your mental health so what I'm saying is is one minute you can feel on the floor but if you can get through that it's very very powerful because you think to yourself if that happens again well I can get myself out of it and that helps your mental health do you get what I'm saying yeah for sure as you said you had everything going on at once and yeah you managed to get out the other side of it yeah even to this day my mum messages me like before I go out and play and say if I am feeling a bit nervous or I really need a good week or I remember before tour school like she was like look like you've dealt with so much worse and I was literally like yeah I know I'm not allowed to swear but I was like yes I am a bad bee do you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah (laughs) and so like later on in the season you mentioned obviously you did end up going to Q school at the end of the year but you did make consecutive cuts at the end of the year you had top 10 finishes um you yeah, were everyone could, in New York to be honest with you yeah New York Switzerland Ireland as you said you you had several good weeks how much confidence did those give you and kind of you didn't quite make the top 16 you ended up going to Q school but you could see your points improving yeah I think I was I finished 40 some points but money list oh was it something like that which was unbelievable what I managed to do coming back with not that many events but for me it wasn't even at that point do you know what's funny at that point I wasn't even I didn't mind I didn't mind if I missed a cut 
because I felt I felt good and at that and even it's quite emotional talking about it now because you forget and sometimes you get so wrapped up in oh god I hit it rubbish on the course today but if you're happy it doesn't matter it doesn't not it doesn't matter obviously I want to be the best golfer I can but what I'm saying is is coming towards the end of them them stretches of events it wasn't like I was taking confidence I was taking confidence from the fact that I was still standing there so that yeah. that was what I was taking confidence more from than actually my golf. Obviously, then that was feeding into my golf, and I wasn't too stressed about going to Q school because I backed myself. It was more the fact that I was still standing that I'd got through what I'd got through. Yeah, and then Q school itself. I know obviously you kind of had a month in between the, your last event and then Q school happening. And I remember at the time you said that you'd been practicing with Charlie and obviously you'd been doing stuff at home, but it was a bit Yeah, but do you know what's the funny thing? Weird. A week week and a half before week and a half before Q school, it snowed at home. I didn't I didn't hit a ball. I wasn't yeah. able to hit a ball. So I had to then pick myself up and go to Q school, which is determined my whole next year not hitting a golf shot. But because I felt so in such a mentally good place, I wasn't getting upset, I wasn't and I had Charlie next door to me. You know, we were doing things together. And even even just speaking to Charlie mm-hmm. and her giving me reassurance and saying, your swing's in a good place. You know, going to Q school, don't take that lightly. It's a lot, a lot of pressure. You know, no one's really talking on the range or things like that because everyone's feeling it. It's it's a week that determines your whole next year. Do you know what I mean? There's, no, there's not many jobs that do that. And then once it was over <laughs> in the sunshine. Oh, once it was over, yeah, Christmas was Christmas was fun. I was going to say, what was that yeah, like? Christmas was really fun, actually. <laughs> that was a lot. This Christmas was the best Christmas I think I've ever had. Because I was just so relieved after I had such a tough year. And I was like, I'm fine. Like, I made it. I did it. Like, it's fine. Like, next year I can play this and that. That's why I was a bit gutted coming out at the start of the year, to be honest with you. Because I worked so hard last year to get myself back to this spot I kind of wanted to come out of the blocks quite fast this at the start of this year and I didn't so that was a bit annoying for me but like I say I played in a rose this week and I started I've started to play lovely again so I'm looking forward to coming out and getting a run in Europe I prefer playing in Europe as well not too much travel and things like that and it means that I can pop home for a night and I can see my mum see my dad see my boyfriend you know that's a big part as well is like not missing home too much and you touched on a few things, Annabelle, that you like to sort of do in your in your free time and things that help you relieve stress. What sort of what else do you like to get up to in your in your free time? I might go get my nails done, get my eyebrows done, <laughs> you know, all the top top things. But I love food. I know who doesn't love food. That is a stupid <laughs> thing. But I love going to lovely restaurants. That is one of my things now. I I don't I don't really go out and drink anymore or anything like that. It's not worth it for me. I don't really enjoy that that much anymore. Um, but going out for lovely food that's my niche nice what's your favorite uh harry's next to harrods lobster pasta are oh, the prawns to start unbelievable <laughs> honestly Jesus. it's actually it's actually making my mouth water want to text my boyfriend saying can we go there tonight but i can't go there tonight i'm going somewhere else tonight it must be good if you're talking about it at half nine in the morning and you're like yeah I, know. I'm hungry. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast though in my defense so i am a little bit hungry <laughs> all right i'll let you off then Right, yeah. just before we finish then, Annabelle, we have got to hit you with the dreaded quiz, which oh, is our, our staple on the show. So, And I've, oh, staying true to that? previous weeks, I've I've made this one quite difficult, actually, but I think oh, you're up please. for it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now. What is the quiz about? If it's anything you. intellectual? No, 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 it's, no like, it's about you, Annabelle. Don't worry. Right, I'll start off easy because I think you... I think you might have even answered it earlier. So oh. if you do get this wrong, then it's a, it's a bad start. But I've got faith in you, Annabelle. Right. Question one. When you won the 2014 Helen Holm Scottish Women's Open, what was yeah. your winning margin? Two shots. Got three shots down here. Oh, I'm better than I thought. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, it doesn't Dominant matter. Win. Wins a win. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't actually yeah, matter exactly. how many win by you got the trophy, really? not the... But I not did the... get that wrong. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. You got the trophy, not the quiz question. Right, so <laughs> yeah, I know which yeah. one I've, I've, I've... <laughs> yeah. Right, this right, is... I thought question. I thought this was a good one, but we'll, we'll see. So, famously, you're a member at Wentworth. Of course, you have a scholarship there. But can you name me three winners of the BMW PGA Championship? Billy Horshaw, Simon Khan, and Rory McIlroy. Easy, easy. Did you go to many of them? Have you been to many of them? Watching them? Yeah, a lot of a lot of the time I end up 
spending more time in the tented village than I do actually watching the golf, unfortunately, because it's, it's, a, it's a place where you see people that you've not seen in years and years, do you know what I mean? Especially in golf, the world's small and you get quite sidetracked, don't you? You do, yeah. It's good day out there. Right, next one. What is your lowest ever round on the LET? Nine under. Yeah, do you know which uh, tournament, which round? Yeah, study at beach and I bogey the last and yeah, don't remind me. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> but I got right, it this... right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Flying for him now. Um, okay, this one might be up to debate, but it's what we've got in the record. So one of your besties is, of course, Charlie Hole. But what did she tell us is her favourite holiday destination? Ibiza. Ibiza, yeah. Very good. She got Dubai here as well, but... She's actually asking me to go to Ibiza with her at the minute, but... Nice. All right, then, final question. When you played in the 2014 Junior Ryder Cup, um, yeah. which fellow LET players were on your team? Emily Pettersson, Linnea Strom. Is there more? There's two more who are currently on the LET and were in your team. Come on, Annabelle. Really? really? Yeah, yeah. They're more recent additions to the tour. Virginia Carter. Do you want to know a funny story about that? <laughs> right, so I was sharing with Virginia Carter, yeah, at the Junior Ryder Cup. And we walked into our room on the first day when we got there and there was these lovely Rolex, like, bags sitting there like these like toiletry bags and we thought we looked at each other and we thought oh my god we've got a watch and we open it up and it's like bloody Rolex too you know I mean <laughs> but the way you but the way it was sitting there we honestly thought it was a watch we walked into him anyway the last one who was that she is a rookie this year do I know her I know her but you know in the name it's on, been a long, just, long podcast uh Alexandra Forsterling that's it that's it that's it a very very good player she is yeah she was young then as well so because I mean, she was young at that junior rider cup my gosh because she how old is she now she must be 20. she's a bit older isn't she 20 22 i think 22 23 oh, but still yeah. yeah thank you i didn't know who it was <laughs> yeah no problem. i was actually quizzing you on your quiz did you see what i did there i flipped the quiz around the inception finally i've met my match yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we won't keep you much longer, Annabelle. Yeah. Um, we'll leave you to. But obviously, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a yeah, really fun no episode. Worries actually, at really all. insightful. And obviously, best of luck uh, next week. Well, this week now when this comes out in Jabra. Yes. I uh, thank you guys for having me on and listening to me waffle. Oh yeah, I'll see you in Jabra. Yeah, absolutely. All right, as always, guys, give us a follow on socials at Let Golf, and we'll see you next week. Bye. A competition clinching shot. Whoa, how about that? The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.